Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. When I link minister with Sunday, you'd think church. Maybe later in the night, they're listening to Open House. I don't know of any minister, apart from one, who'd spend his Sunday in the church hall putting himself up for 120 three-minute boxing rounds. Yes, 120 rounds of boxing. He's known as the fighting father, always for a good cause. You get him to smile when he's in the ring, and he's got a four-letter word plastered over his mouth guard. Pray. He's the Reverend David Smith from the Dulwich Hill Anglican Church. David, welcome to Open House. Thank you, brother. It's good to be with you. I'm so glad to see you, and I must say I feel quite safe. So why spend your Sunday not in quiet reflection and worship, but being pummeled in the boxing ring? It comes back to the fact that I'm a reasonably limited human being, I think. Uh, we have to raise funds for our youth centre, and we've been working out ways of doing that for years. We're not a big church that can afford to fund this sort of ministry ourselves, so it's uh, we've had to be creative, and uh, in my case... Um, well, I say there's really only two things I can do. Well, I can preach and I can punch. And, uh, you know, if I could paint artworks and sell them, I guess I'd be doing that. Yeah. But, you know, preaching and punching, well, that's one more skill than some people have. So I'm not too embarrassed about that. And, but as I say, no one's paying me anything for the sermon. So it's uh, <laughs> I do what I can. You've been punching for a while, haven't you? I've been punching on for a while. Yeah, where did it start and why Oh, it gosh. Start? It's interesting because it starts back in my youth for the very worst of reasons. You know, when I was a young punk, I was a very angry, violent sort of guy and was moving in those sorts of scenes and I took up martial arts for all the very worst of reasons. And uh, actually when I, was, when I found Christ, I gave it away. Came back to it later in life more for, just for fitness reasons and, and to a small extent and then more fully through my marriage breakdown was actually then what got me back into contact fighting I found very therapeutic. How did you make that transition from the young punk to embracing Christian faith? That's another good question. We're going back to when I was 18 and it seems like a few lifetimes ago Yes, now. I'm sure it does. <laughs> Largely the influence of my father, I think, on me, who was a deeply pious man. Yes, Bruce Smith. Yes, that's right. Marvellous man. Great man. And I miss him dearly. It's been 11 years now since yes. he left us. Not just his example, but more so some probing questions he'd put at me when I was in my middle of my sort of rebellious stage and sort of denying all morality and uh, barriers and things like that. And he encouraged me to, to um, recognise my inner awareness of rights and wrongs and my inability of escaping that, if you like, the internal voice of God that you don't seem to be able to get away from. And uh, Accepting that and coming to terms with that and then recognising that indeed there was someone out there who was interested in the way I lived, not just in me dying and moving on, but did actually want to have some sort of hand on the way I lived actually uh, led me to a point of, I would say, repentance and uh, a willingness to give my life over. Yeah, it's the full package for now and forever. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, that happened for me when, on one night when I was 18 and um, it's never been the same since. Great stuff. Hmm. You and your ministry identify very closely with Jesus. Not everybody thinks that. Uh, <laughs> I've never had quite a response to that kind of question, which you would laugh. <laughs> but well, I get it. People say, you aren't you supposed to turn the other cheek? You know, like, <laughs> see the whole concept of uh, you know, boxing as being very violent. Yes. And uh, violence is obviously opposed to, to Christ, which I think it is. Uh, I, I don't think I'm a violent person at all. On the contrary, I'm pretty much a pacifist. But, you know, it, boxing is rough play. 
the way we do it. I mean, look, it can be violent. A lot of things, sports can be violent if you let them become that. But uh, boxing, when it's taught properly, too, is, is a way of teaching people self-control. It, it, you know, for me, it's a very important thing because with the young men we work with, they're often very angry, violent kids. Sure. And uh, you know, one popular response to that is to try and help them repress their aggressive energies and just keep them down. You know, or journal them, or some way of channeling them, which often isn't very effective. Uh, what we try and do, I think, is much more real and direct. Is we try and tell them, no, no, harness your aggressive energies, get them out, come to terms with them, and learn to control them. Boxing is a perfect uh, medium for doing that because you actually find, as a as a boxer, you can't do very well unless you learn self control. I mean, kids come in angry all the time. You know, I'll tell you, sweet your father, yeah, I'll let it go. <laughs> you know, and uh, they find very quickly that the old guy can surround rings around him. <laughs> I mean, I'm not uh, fast or, or particularly strong or anything like that, but it's all about self-control. And yeah. the guy who comes in swinging wildly, you know, you just let him... He's on the mat. I don't have to hit him hard. I mean, I remember once I had a guy with tears running down his eyes. It wasn't because I hit him hard. I just hit him so often. Uh, just <laughs> popping him on the nose, you know. They take a big swing at you, you pop him on the nose, and then they get more angry. And they think of, they wind up and they're going to make an even bigger one. In the process, of course, they project even more what they're doing and they get stiffer and slower as they get more tense, so it becomes easier and easier. Are many of them surprised that they're copying this from the local Anglican minister, priest? Um, look, we did have that problem initially. I remember when I first started fighting, uh, the guys at the gym would say, oh, I can't hit you, Father. You know, and I'd start hitting them and they'd, they'd get over it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, in terms of our fight club and youth centre and the setup we've got in Dulwich Shore, people know what they're dealing with. They know who I am. As yeah. you're doing this, you are seeking to direct them also to Jesus. How do those two worlds meet? We don't push it in the sense that, uh, I mean, people know who I am and they know we've got an agenda. I mean, we're a church, for goodness sake. Yeah. You know, so people, they come in, they, they know what we're on about and we're not um, being backward about who we are or what we believe. Yeah, having said that, we don't get anybody to, to sort of sign anything or do a Christianity Explained course or something when they join the club. It's, and we've got people of different faiths and no faiths who are there and everybody's welcome. Yeah, very much. There is a, a nice um, path from uh, well, from the youth centre to the fight club, and from the fight club to the church, and it's it's you know it's more. Um, people ask questions. You'd be surprised. Oh, I've got no doubt. Yes. Yeah, yeah. A, a number of people who, particularly after they've had a good rumble with someone. I mean, I remember years ago I had a guy who'd um, he didn't explain why he came in to see me, but he was a very rough looking guy, and it turned out he just got out of prison. Big boy, and he said, oh, "I understand you you box here." And I said, "Well, yeah." And he said, can I do a couple of rounds with you? I thought, oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> You're too big, mate. Yeah, well, this is it. But straight away I realised as soon as we started boxing, this guy didn't wasn't out to hurt me. He was actually, he was he was lovely. So we did a couple of rounds together. And then after we sort of sweated a bit together, he says, do you run Bible studies here? <laughs> wow. I said, yeah, it was like it took him, a, he'd just got out of jail. And it was sort of like he had to sort of, go through that first before he was able to ask the real question, which was on his mind. How fantastic. <laughs> but, you know, he'd been told by a mate who he'd been inside with, you know, when you got out, you've got to go see Dave and, you know, he'll get you on the right track. Uh, I mean, that's an extreme example, I suppose. But with a lot of guys, particularly once they sort of get rumbling, then they can start to relax and uh, open up and, and the real questions come to the fore. I mean, I remember one day a guy at a pub saying to me, I, I don't like priests, but I trust fighters. And... You find that with a lot of guys, I think it's it's a class thing at one level. I can I can understand that too. I remember Kierkegaard said that, uh, you know, it's good priests wear long flowing robes because they got a lot to hide. 
you know. <laughs> I think there's some truth in that, you know. Yeah. Whereas the boxer, you know, he's, he's just there in his underwear. You know who you're dealing with. He's just a human being with arms and legs. And he's just a very frank. There's no pretense uh, in the ring. And I think people feel that with fighters, uh, that they can be trusted. They're very straight up and down sorts of blokes. Normally they are. what You get. You know, you, what you see is what you get. And that's always been my experience. We first came across each other about 20 years ago, I reckon, when I was a <laughs> Channel 7 news reporter. That's and I've right. loved your work ever since. <laughs> I think it's just so special. What do you think the biggest need of young people is today? The priorities have changed for us in Dulwich Shield. We were the heroin capital of the inner west, you know, and the immediate issues you were dealing with, nine out of ten kids we were dealing with when we started had heroin problems, you know. You can't get past that in terms of the kids you're working with. That's not the case now, of course. And uh, I'd like to think we had something to do with that, that uh, the cleaning up of the area. But it's more than anything been the rise in housing prices, which yes. has changed things so much. I mean, in terms of general needs for kids, I would say well, certainly in the white Australian culture, lack of direction, lack of values, you know what I mean? Lack of lack of faith in a, in, in a real sense. I think there is a real spiritual crisis amongst young people. They have very small horizons, really can't see much beyond, um, you know, today and very few goals, very little, you know, motivation. When you talk to them about setting a larger, broader horizon, mm-hmm. a deeper horizon, what do you say to them? How's a bloke like you, who's a minister but also a fighter, able to communicate the truths of the Christian faith? That, I guess in a different way. It, it comes out in the process, we find a lot of the time, you know what I mean? I don't have to come with a chronicle full of things to sort of bombard people with. Uh, we find, you know, like guys see a lot of kids nowadays, you know, they're spending all their time playing World of Warcraft or something, you know what I mean? They're locked in these sorts of virtual worlds yeah. or on their Game Boy or whatever it is. When you get them out of that and you get them physical and you get them real, a whole lot of stuff starts to come out. I mean, it's amazing how often, with adult men too, you know, you do a bit of rumbling and all of a sudden there's always talk about times with dad we used to spend in the backyard. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it taps into some very basic, very primal drives i think in uh, men and boys i think in particular we find once these guys start getting motivated their world start to enlarge yes on open house where with the fighting father the reverend david smith dave can i ask you what you get out of this work i know you're not in it for it but there has to be ways in which you benefit and you grow yourself oh, look the whole spirituality of fighting is something that's very close to my heart and I mean, and boxing in particular. I mean, as you probably know, I've done lots of different martial arts over the years, and I've got, I think, a total of eight black belts altogether, and all that sort of thing. That's why I'm very nice to you. Well, no, it's, it's, it, they don't mean much. I could tell you, it's you can get black belts off the back of a cornflakes pack. I think you know, it's I'm uh, still nice to you. Though. <laughs> having having uh, been a professional boxer, actually, has a lot more street cred than yes. any number of, of uh, black belts. Yes. Having said that. Um, I could tell you most of the martial arts I've been involved in, they're very much hit and biff type stuff. And, you know, you hit me, I hit you, you, you know, you throw that punch at me, I block you and break your arm. It's all this sort of bang, bang, bang stuff. Boxing's beautiful in that regard. And sort of the, the guy throws a big punch at you, well, you just try and move out of the way. You know, you try and just sort of slip to the side there. <laughs> For let, good reason. Let that one go over your head. A lot of the martial arts talk about the principle of soft against hard and hard against soft and the water flow principle, this sort of thing. Boxing, for me, actually embodies that better than any of the uh, pugilistic arts I've ever been involved in. Yeah. You know what I mean? The guy who swings big, you just try and use minimum effort just to duck underneath what he's doing. You, and you find your position, you wait till he's good and tired, and then you sort of make your moves, you know, further down the track. So 
for me, there's a, there is a real spirituality in that in terms of just being able to go with the flow, pick your battles. Um, life is very much a battle. And I, I believe that. I believe there's a spiritual battle, you know, that's going yes. on in the world and, and you either engage or you don't, you know. And when you engage in that, it's tough, you know, and you've got to, you know, you've got to pick your fights, you've got to pick your shots, you've got to try and roll the ones that are going to knock you down. And then when you get knocked down, you've got to gird up your lines and get up again and keep going, you know what I mean? And, yeah, so the, the spirituality of the fight at that level is something very close to my heart and it's been a very important part of the process for me. You must also get a tremendous amount out of seeing these young guys come in, oh, often angry, for sure. often troubled, and having their lives quite turned around. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think the irony for us is that um, often when these guys do get turned around, they often lose interest in the fighting, which is great in yes, a sense. But, well, they come in, most guys take it up because they're angry. Yes. It's different with the girls. They tend to take it up because they're interested in the sport. But guys take it up because, you know, fighting makes you more of a man. You see, it doesn't make a girl more of a woman, does it? You know, it works differently. But the guys, they come in because they're angry. And, you know, by the grace of God, hopefully we help them deal with their anger issues. Yes. And uh, then often they don't have a need to fight anymore, which is probably why we don't have too many great amateur professional champions sort of arising out of the gym. Yeah, some of the guys who do best, you know, they come in, they've got drug issues and other issues, and then when they're doing okay, they actually move away where they can restart life on another footing, and that's a very good thing. You mentioned your late dad, Bruce Smith, a highly esteemed minister, theologian, academic. What were the kinds of things that he left you that have shaped you and your ministry? It's a difficult question, actually, because I think it's often, such a large question. Because you, yes, you're so close to um, that reality. I think you don't see, you know, how much is me, how much is Dad. I mean, I think certainly Dad's legacy f- for me intellectually was the ability to question everything and to try and reflect on where I'm coming from, what my prejudices and presuppositions are, and what I'm saying and thinking. Uh, I think that process, which I saw embodied in my father, is is very important. He had a great head but also a great heart, didn't he? He was, and he always was a man with uh, great compassion for the poor. He was a man who had a great political awareness of injustice, who was also one who was very non-judgmental. I would never hear him speak ill, even of people who'd done him great injury. And I think, you know, all those things, you know, I mean, you, you look up and you think, oh, if I'm half the man Dad was, I'll feel I lived a good life. He left a great legacy in the lives and uh, ministries of many people. Mm. Yeah. For which we... Thank God, you know, and I mean, it was a very, obviously a very close and personal thing for me. It's hard to detach myself from and just sort of look at objectively. Would you be doing what you do now without him? Interesting, because, I mean, Dad actually wanted to steer me in a different direction. (laughs) Shock me. (laughs) I remember remember years ago, um, you know, I really had to make a choice, I remember, between finishing my master's thesis and going for my second black belt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, you know, Dad said, look, you know, you could go the thesis, finish that, it'll open doors for you, you know. And I thought, look, it's possible I could go back and do the academic work later in life if I'm going to do the... I mean, I was in my 30s. I thought if I'm going to succeed with the uh, sporting thing, I've really got to do it now. And, and I went down that path instead. And, and it opened other doors, you know, and I wouldn't be where I am now if I'd taken Dad's advice, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> now, Reverend Smith, you're 50 years old. How long are you going to continue with this nonsense? How long can the body stand up to it? It's a good question, Lee. I mean, I I feel a a strange sort of alienation from my body sometimes. I've been 
doing a lot of training this year. Thanks be to God, we've got a good team at the church that have made that possible. But I've been running for two, three hours at a time. Wow. And I, w- I would have put a th- in a thousand k's on the road already this year for sure, ten, twenty k's a day, six days a week. And I do. I mean, sometimes I'm running along there and I'm looking at my legs and thinking, you know, whose legs are you? I mean, you're still going. You've been still- going for two and a half hours now. What are you doing? Uh, I mean, I'm not an athlete. You know, I never have been. My trainer used to say, you, you want an athletic body, you've got to pick your parents very carefully. Yes. And I picked two academics. You know, so, <laughs> I mean, it's, well, I mean, I've got the mind of the world middleweight champion, maybe, but the legs of an academic, what am I going to do? So, and also, I mean, I've had two knee operations from kickboxing. I've got a metal plate in my leg from judo accident. I mean, physically, I got rejected from being an army chaplain because, you know, I'm not in great shape. And yet... <laughs> The irony is I'm actually fitter now than I've ever been in my life. So, But you can do 120 rounds yes, well, on that's a Sunday. I mean. yeah, well, this is it. And I mean, Did any of them get the better of you? Oh, lots of them. Yeah. I mean, none of them got me on the ground, which was great. There were some pretty wild and woolly rounds in there. So it's not pretend stuff. I mean, it was, hopefully it was going to be sparring level. You know, and when you're dealing with the professionals, we had some great men of the ring there, great spiritual men too. But we had guys like... Um, Obviously, Anthony Mundine and uh, Nader Hamdan, but also uh, Solomon Hamono, who is actually going to come on our yes. team as a youth worker, a wonderful Christian man, yeah. uh, along with Lovemore Nadu and uh, Solomon Magbarim, both of whom are part of our parish and uh, very spiritual men. Characters like this, they were great. Alex Tui was there as well, another deeply spiritual man. And they knew what level to go at. Uh, they showed me enough respect to work me hard, but uh, without killing me. <laughs> I mean, look, someone the size of Solomon Amano, he must be 120 kilos of raw muscle. I mean, he could yeah. knock me down he's with one hand if he wanted to. Big so. guy. He's a gentle giant. He's a beautiful man. I really must is. say, when Dave came in for the interview, I, of course, put my hand out to shake. <laughs> and he said, careful, careful, careful. <laughs> so <laughs> I reckon there's life left in those legs. swollen yet. But look, yeah. yeah. honestly, I'm often saying to the good Lord, you know, why is my body in such good shape? I don't understand. I figure you've got something in mind for me here. I'll... I'll go through the process and then we'll see what you've got in mind next and uh, maybe by the grace of God the body will hold up for a few more years to come and I'll be able to do some more crazy things hope and pray so I believe this is the path the good Lord wants us on at the moment uh, where that particular path will finish or we'll leave in his hands I'm sure it is and I hope it goes on for an awful long time David Smith thank you so much for joining us thank it's been you great brother it's been great we hope you enjoyed this open house podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.